Hey everybody, it's Microphones of Madness. I'm Rodney. Over there, Steve. Mutters something in ghoulish. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we're talking today, Cthulhu Companion, uh, the second part. Uh, we'll be discussing the four scenarios contained within. But before we get to that, just remember, uh, always like, subscribe, favorite, share videos, things like that if you know what we're doing. Uh, we're getting close to the end of the year, and we should have some hot new stuff coming for you uh, after the new year. Yeah, and tell your friends and your and friends' friends. Definitely word of mouth, because word of mouth is what it helps indie authors. It helps small podcasts, everything. So, And it's a great album by the Kinks. There you go. You heard it from Steve first. Well, probably not first, but <laughs> most recently. All right. The first scenario on our list is the classic uh, single player, single GM scenario, Paper Chase by John Sullivan. Yeah, this was actually, we were going to do a whole show dedicated to this particular um, scenario because it's getting reproduced for the new basic set. Yeah, the beginner set. Yeah, whatever they're calling it. Um, and it is a, cla a beloved cl classic. We were going to do a whole show on it until we realized it's three pages long. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Blake, and you miss it. That's true. That's true. Well, I mean, this this scenario is damn straightforward. It is, and <laughs> um, it's perfect for for running for one when you have one or two people. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't run it with more than two. Two's even stretching it a bit. Um, and it is a great beginning scenario because it kind of teaches you all of the little basics that you should have in your toolkit as a call of cthulhu player right uh, you should, and as a as a keeper yeah i mean you should be the first thing out of your mouth when you start your investigation should be where's the library mm -hmm. <laughs> um and this takes you directly to the library right takes you directly to the library newspaper office and these are like all the things that like as you re read more and more call of cthulhu scenarios especially these old ones you're always going to have information on the newspaper uh the local newspaper and information on the library mm, very and what very you can so. find there so it, right it, it's great now that aside as a great teaching tool and learning tool for call of cthulhu what about the story? Well, I mean, you're hired to look into a robbery at the home of a gentleman named Thomas Kemble and tasked with recovering the books from the one armed man from from the library from the library at the house. Sorry. That's OK. Wasn't that John Kimball? No, John. John Kimball was uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's character in Kindergarten Cop. Yeah. It's not, not the Tuma. <laughs> Oh, Ronnie. Arnie. Yeah. Um, and there's also, as you are investigating the disappearance of Douglas Kimball, Thomas's uh, uncle, I believe, 
uh, you run across rumors of strange creatures in the cemetery. And that's where the investigation really gets weird. Right. Yeah, so, um, and, and without giving it away too much, because it is getting reprinted for the next gen. Mm. Um, you, you, you do your research, you go around town, um, asking people about Douglas and what, because he's, he's been missing for a year, right? Right. Um, asking people about Douglas um, and trying to open this cold case. Um, you come to a startling discovery and an encounter with um, what has transformed in the game as something fairly benign as far as the mythos goes. Right. It's uh, one one of those things that that if you were to encounter one in real life, you would probably shit your pants and run screaming the other direction. But as far as the mythos goes, this is the equivalent of a cobalt. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, the illustration of the one in um in the book actually looks like a cobalt. Yeah. He does. So um, it's it's so straightforward. It's not even funny, right? There's the, the really interesting thing about how this was originally written is that there are only like maybe one or two correct paths. Most of the choices you 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 can make as a character end up in uh, sudden and immediate death or disappearance. You're just you're done, right? Um, it was re. This is one of the ones that made it to the uh the app yep cthulhu chronicles the cthulhu chronicles um and it was interesting there um just because they put everything in in like as a series of adventures in context um right like with a meta story going on and this one does not have that meta story as part of it so really your motivation is um the guy hires you to find out you know what's going on with these books. Mm -hmm. That's true. And I, that's pretty much it. And you, I, yeah, but now you know why we didn't do a full episode. You find out. It. It's three, it's three pages long. Yeah. So, um, very straightforward. There's a nice little map for you of, um, like the area that you can use. Um, and honestly, this one is not designed to be like, you figure out what's going on and you fight. Mm -hmm. um, it's very much a low-key um, investigative scenario, right? And, 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 and the the parts where you can fight uh, basically call for you to die, right? <laughs> if, yeah, if you, you you just it doesn't even like have statistics or even talk about combat. It is if the investigator decides to fight these creatures. They disappear. If the investigator goes here, they disappear. Right. And and it, it, it all depends on your choices. Right. That you make. Mm -hmm. Which is, you know, that's how it should be, really. That's more reality. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so, but as far as, like, Call of Cthulhu goes, very low-key. Right. There's very, a... Very, very. Um, there is one pathway that could actually lead into the beginnings of a campaign 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it ties into the asylum and others. If you make a certain decision, I think it's like if you stay the night in the cemetery or something like that. Um, yeah. You wake up and you're not playing paper chase anymore. You're playing the asylum. Right. Because you went insane <laughs> and you are now in the asylum. Right. And which is, which is a great way to play it with a beginning character or beginning player. Say you have uh, a group of more experienced players and you're trying to bring a new player in. They've never played before. You can run through paper chase in probably half hour to an hour, have them up to speed on the mechanics and a way into the campaign. Yep. And boom, you're good. You're golden. Um, yeah, so that's that's why it's classic. That's why uh, it's being included in the beginner's box. It's um, it's a whole lot different from the other classic beginner's um, scenario, The Haunting, mm-hmm. which um, gets you a confrontation at the end and is very um, deadly. Right. Um, the Haunting is like an active, you know, an active malevolent force against you. And this is more like a passive... If you fuck up, you're dead, but if you don't, you're not. Right. Right. And it kind of teaches you the tone of the game, and um, particularly for the, the older editions of Call of Cthulhu, um, and and on into on into 7th, but not really Pulp. If you're playing Pulp, Paper Chase is probably not the best introduction. No, not at all. Um, it's, it's not designed for Pulp at all. Right. Um what happens is that I've completely lost my train of thought, so I'll just cut this part out. That's okay. It happens. It does. Oh, now I remember. Unlike, you know, like all the older editions of Call of Cthulhu, the lethality is there. So you get used to it as a player, like, early on. If you fuck up in Paper Chase, you're dead, you're disappeared, you're locked up in an asylum. And that is the... Uh, stereotypical ultimate fate of Call of Cthulhu investigators. Yeah, it's weird that that is the way it is. Um, Because we play a lot of Call of Cthulhu Mm -hmm. and um, we, we, our mortality rate isn't that bad. No, we usually, we've usually lose one Wes uh, to two players Mm -hmm. or two characters. And uh, there's always one or two that, you know, they're heavily damaged, but they get out. Yeah. Which which seems to be, to, to me, more par for the course. And I think Call of Cthulhu has this reputation um, of being deadlier than it really is. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Right. Right. Well, I mean, if you if you create your character in certain ways, and I think I think what we end up doing is we pretty much balance out our parties fairly well. That's that's the other thing is we've been playing together for so long that we um, we do teamwork really well. Mm-hmm. And wh- whether that is except Wes, whether that <laughs> is um, you know unconscious. And, and player decisions mm-hmm. or, or if it just, you know, happens to fall that way. 
Right, right. But I, but I think like a lot of the times, you know, our our characters end up doing stuff. Obviously, you know, it's us doing because we we control the characters. That um. That synergize the situation, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I can see that. I can see that. Uh, and I think that's the you know the, the benefit of having a group that's been together for five years with yeah. with like but five core players. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we we know each other. We know we all tend to gravitate towards certain types of characters. Mm -hmm. And and so we all naturally just create characters that end up synergizing fairly well. It's when it's when we go off out of our quote unquote comfort zone and create a different kind of character that screws things up and uh, the rhythm is broken. Okay, so ultimate question, because um, I always read these things as if I'm going to run them. Mm hmm. Um, so how do you think you would run this? Yeah, I, I think I would run it. Um, I, you know, I might tweak it a little bit to run with a smaller group, maybe three players. Um, but otherwise, I, I don't know if I would do it one on one because I, I think that there's certain aspects of a role playing game that really just don't do well one on one. But uh, yeah, I'd probably tweak up the encounters a little bit and and run it uh, with like maybe three players. Okay, fair enough. I think this would be a good short solo scenario, like Alone Against the Flames or Alone Against the Dark, mm -hmm. like just a quickie um, where you don't even need a keeper, right? That where you would uh, you know have it be like a choose your own adventure style with you know numbered paragraphs. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, that's think, how it kind of worked in uh, Cthulhu Chronicles. Yeah, I mean, that is how it worked in Cthulhu Chronicles. Well, the whole thing was like that. But this one lends itself because it's simple. Um, it, it's not, you know, it's not sprawling. Um, and you could do it on your own. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, and, that's, and that's why it's a classic. That's why it has staying power. Yeah. All right, next up on the list is The Mystery of Loch Fain. Loch Fain. Uh, this is by Glenn Rahman. And this has a... Uh, one of the things, uh, uh, as an aside, one of the things that's interesting about these four scenarios is that they are... <coughs> excuse me. Yeah, they are. They are a good, um, a good sampling of... Uh, Things that you'll find in, in, in a game that focuses on really occult detectives. And that's what the player characters in Call of Cthulhu generally are. Uh, regardless as to what their occupation might be, they end up being an occult detective. Uh, in Mystery of Loch Fane, we get a uh, cryptozoology hook with a Scottish lake monster. Yep. And it uses one of the... Um... The well, a couple of the beings found in this very volume. Mm -hmm. Yep. The, see uh, last see last week for details. Right. The the Loigar are in this book. Yes. Or in this adventure. And and they're and they're um, God. Yes. Their deity, their worshipy thing. 
Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it's... There's not much of a linear plot in this, and you'll find that in a lot of Call of Cthulhu adventures, is that because it's so focused heavily on investigation, um, that generally it's a little more sandboxy than you're used to with, say, Dungeons & Dragons or other games. Yeah, so this one is set up. You have um, encounters in the town, mm-hmm. in and around the town, um, or really in and around Loch Fine. Right. Fiend. And uh, you you delve into, you know, there's there's some really good Lovecraftian themes happening in this one. You have uh, degenerative families. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have uh, cults. Um, you know, mysterious ancient ancient cults from before the dawn of of human beings, or you know, the dawn of the current human beings. Mm-hmm. Uh, standing stones, rituals, that all all that great stuff, all centered around this uh this Loch Ness monster kind of mm-hmm. deal. Yep. Um, the 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 family that you're dealing with is the McAllen clan. Um and and they do, I mean you 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 get to wander around in the town trying to unravel this mystery of um a scientist investigating the the monster of Loch Fine. Right. He it, you, the, the basic plot is this guy disappeared uh while he was doing research and he was on to something big. Mm-hmm. Um, but but no details. But his daughter, who's also a cryptozoologist, um, really believed that he was onto something. So you get hired, a bevy of investigators, instead of just one this time, to uh, find out what happened to him. Go up there. Uh, they know he's dead, right? Uh, this... think so. They might. Yeah. He may or may not be already dead. There's there's. The, the reason I say that is because three of these scenarios, four scenarios, that's kind of the hook. Mm-hmm. Someone's missing or dead. Um, but you go up there to, to investigate, and you find that uh, there's this this uh, evil degenerate clan, the, Mac, the McAllens, who are, don't want you on their property. And, of course, they own most of the property around there from back before they were degenerate right they're an old family right um uh, now, go ahead you know you got a ruined castle mm-hmm. um standing stones you know it's very very atmospheric oh and and you get like these mad clansmen uh, running around trying to kill you <laughs> right right and and you can run afoul of them very quickly. You can run afoul of them very slowly. The pacing really depends on the the player's choice. Um, this is this is one that could go, you know, beginning to end in a single session, if uh, if you play your cards right or wrong, however yeah. this may be, or it's something that can last two, possibly three sessions, depending right. on. You know how leisurely everybody, or how thorough everybody's being. Yeah. Now this one has the potential to be extremely lethal. Oh yes. Uh, the quote-unquote monsters at the end 
because there's a couple um, are, are very, very lethal things. Now, you had mentioned that it was a Lyogre, um, which is new to this book. Mm -hmm. So this, unless you actually sat down and purchased this book at the time, that wasn't something you were going to run into. Right. And like a lot of um, role-playing games that have bestiaries, mm. Call of Cthulhu as well, you just you, you run into things over and over again. As players, you're used to it, and it's not as shocking. Right. Um, but you run into the same thing. As a character, you're supposed to be, you know, freaking out and stuff. Something like this, which is a new thing, can do both. Yes. Yes. And 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 the Lee Ogre we mentioned in uh, the last episode uh, made it into the main book. So now they're kind of the old hat monster. They, they are old hat, but they don't get used a whole lot. I mean, I, I say that now, and I'm thinking of at least two or three scenarios from 7th edition that actually use the Ogre. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe I'm wrong, right? But really, the the Leoger just like a more lethal version of a Serpent Man. Yeah, well, Brian, um, Courtmark, uh, wrote a scenario with Leoger that's in Doors of Darkness. Yep, there's a Leoger on the cover. <laughs> um, yeah, so well, I mean, I'm not going to tell you what a Leoger is, you can go look that up. <laughs> We gave you much information. We gave you all the clues you needed, investigators. That's right. Now you can metagame the shit out of this. Um, yeah, one of the things that I found interesting is there's a lot of um, trope-heavy things to to kind of pull the players into the action, more a little more immersion, um, like the Elder McAllen, uh, you know, the patriarch, I guess, of the McAllen clan takes a shine to a, one of the female investigators or the scientist's daughter. Right. And can possibly try to kidnap them. So you have a kidnapping, um, you know, which is usually better when the kidnapping is of a PC rather than an NPC. Because, you know, you have that person sitting at the table and, you know, they're your friend. And you know, it's like, well, we need to rescue that person. Sometimes. Sometimes. Hi, Wes. <laughs> Other times, you can just leave him to rot. Last night, Wes's character was in trouble, and I left him to rot. You left him to die. Stop, or we'll kill her. Acceptable loss. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> well, it's not like I ran for my own life. I was, you know, I ran into danger. So, Right. That's true. It's true. Um, now this could also, this, like you said, this could be a very lethal game. Um, and possibly if you're including it as part of a campaign, it could, it could actually end the campaign. Yeah. Well, aside from the first one, I think any of these can end the campaign pretty quickly. Yes. And, and that, that's kind of how Call of Cthulhu works. Um, right. I, I just finished saying before that our particular group managed to survive things like this. But um, 
I will say when I ran like an old school, um, the Curse of Sathagawa, that was um, pretty deadly. Mm -hmm. I think I think the 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 lethality of the older scenarios, where um, I think where it was more keeper versus players, and you would yeah. just th throw like powerful shit i mean because it's it is call of cthulhu and it's not supposed to be balanced mm -hmm. um i think you do get more of a balance these days where you you know uh maybe not the actual monster or being or whatever itself is less deadly but i think a lot of it is you're put in circumstances where you can use the environment mm -hmm. to uh to help you get a win so to speak right but you know it's like nobody comes out undamaged yeah i mean you're not you're not sleeping eight hours and you're rise and shine you're 100 everything all your spell slots are are uh regenerated mm -hmm. you're, you're you know you're down 20 points of sanity right you're down 20 points of sanity you've only recovered you rested for eight hours and recovered one hit point right yeah, so I mean, it's still definitely lethal, even if you survive. Mm -hmm. It becomes attrition at some point, where you know the the ultimate fate of a Call of Cthulhu character is death or asylum. Mm -hmm. Might not happen in this particular episode or scenario, but it will happen. Right. Um, yeah. One of the other interesting things is we talk about the lethality, um, and kind of like in Paper Chase, it is. You know, you do a certain thing, you confront a certain entity, and you're dead. There's no... Yeah, this has a one-shot <coughs> a, a monster that is just an automatic one-shot. Mm -hmm. And it's a pretty horrible one-shot, because you're not... Technically, you're not dead. Right. <laughs> Goddamn, you wish you were. Yep. <laughs> then you die. Yeah. Um, And with... The way it's laid out, you, you don't, it's not uh, tied specifically to Scotland. You could make this story set at any lake anywhere in the world, which would make it uh, very easy to piece into uh, an existing campaign. Yeah. As, that's, a, that's, as like a side job or building up into something else. That's the other thing. Any of these can are gen generic enough in the setting. Mm -hmm. Where the setting isn't critical to the story, right? So you know you can you can transpose a lot of these. This one, yeah, you can put it anywhere where you're going to have a lake and a population old enough around that lake to mm -hmm. um, have degenerated. Yeah. Um. What are your thoughts? Would you run it? Um. Yeah. Probably. Um, I'd have to read it through again, and um, yeah, I'd run it. You'd run it. I'd run it. It would. It, it would. It's a little bit too open for me. Um, there's definitely one of those you have to. The problem with with super open sandboxy things that have like a lot of choices early on is you really have to know the whole thing. Mm -hmm. going in it's not that long it's like only what like eight pages long or whatever right something like that um but you really do need to know that because if you prepare for x 
and everyone else goes why you're uh you know yeah yeah you're pretty you're skimming much and cat playing catch up while you should be running a game right you should have every all your p's and q's minded no matter what direction they go or be damn good at improvisation yeah and you know and there's not like a lot of things but you know um it's one of those things where you actually have to kind of keep track of time because you're gonna have there's a, a thing that's gonna happen down the road you know the the big thing that you're eventually going to stop there's like um the deeper you go in the more likely you are to uh have random encounters with um the mc the mcallens yep yep and and a random encounter with the mcallens really kind of um ups the timeline a little bit yep um i would probably do this one as as a pulp game then you can run this as pulp. Yeah, this this is really, I mean, pulp. A lot of people say, "Oh, pulp's not that lethal," um, but it, it it still is. I mean, you know, you don't heal like you do in Dungeons and Dragons, still. But yeah, I would I would run this as kind of like a. It kind of reminded me of a Doc Savage story or something like that yeah, without a Scooby Doo villain. Pulp or not. You go into that mirror room and make make the wrong rolls mm -hmm. or pass the right rolls or whatever. However you look at it, uh, I don't care if it's pulp or whatever. There is no talent that prevents what happens from happening. Right. <laughs> that's true. That's true, and that's that's one of those things that is is part and parcel of Call of Cthulhu because there's sometimes doesn't matter how good you rolled up your character, doesn't matter how high your skill is. There's a one shot shit. kill is a one shot kill. That's right. <laughs> a portal, a portal into Azatoth's fucking asshole, is a portal to Azatoth's asshole. That's right. <laughs> and that's, that's how it goes. That's the new show logo or show uh, <laughs> motto. <laughs> that should be right. kind of a cool logo too, Azathoth's asshole. Yeah. Well, it'd probably be an asterisk, just like fuck her up. <laughs> <laughs> just a really big asterisk <laughs> that folds in on itself with flutes mm -hmm. and mad piping. That's and... Right. When it farts, it sounds like atonal flutes. Uh, want some more beans, Azathoth? <laughs> Human beans. Thank you. Oh yes. Next All up right. is Rescue. By Lynn Willis. Um, this is kind of a... This kind of takes you out of the mythos a little bit. It does. It does. It brings, it brings in... Uh, straight up classic horror. Mm-hmm. Old classic. Um, I, we will tell you about the monster in this one. It's werewolves. Yeah. Like real actual werewolves, not like mythos werewolves. Or Twilight werewolves. Teen wolf werewolves. Teen wolf werewolves are kind of cool, though. Actually, there are teen wolves in there. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Um, yeah, so I mean, is, go ahead. This is another one where you have a missing um, person. 
who mm -hmm. you uh I, well a dead this one is dead uh rogers whitaker is dead as a doornail they found him his body bloated and uh torn up and floating in a creek and but his daughter who was with him at the time uh they went on a nature hike his daughter um is, has disappeared mm -hmm. and their good friend played by wes yep <laughs> Walsh, washington no, I mean, it is. Washington is a rich and confident gourmand in his early 30s, rather portly and always well-dressed. Yep, and he's also an undersecretary of state. Yeah, so the his, his stats are right here. I'll just copy him and send him to the West for his next character. Yep. Uh, he, Yeah, w Washington uh, wants you to find him because he is... His best uh, pal. They're buddies. Yep. And there and it everything's, is. Everything's paid for by the State Department. Everything's paid for by the State Department. They're kind enough. The um, Lynn Willis is kind enough. Yep, you get an Alfred, and you can have a guide uh, that knows the region pretty well, too, if you play your cards right. But, um, yeah, I and made a, a note here. And a car. Um, a Packard. Nobody's seen one like it. It's a really nice Packard. Yeah, and that's like a that's a West car. Yep, uh, so Washington Packard. That's right, and and yeah, you have to you have to be careful with someone like ha with having an Alfred, because yeah, this guy takes care of everything off camera pretty much, and apparently his one special talent is he can uh, discreetly dispense booze. Yes. And that is actually one of the things that's listed about the character. If you get on the train with, I forget what his name is, Col Carville, I think. Uh, Clive. Clive. Clive the manservant. Mm-hmm. You get on the train with Clive. You got first class accommodation. So it's like everything's paid for. Is on is paid he for. Pouring champagne. All right in your teacups. It's like he's got like a bottle of champagne. You know. Oh, man. I mean, Clive's like stacked here. If you look at Clive's, um, there's an option to take him and an option, you know, you could just ignore him and not take him along. But right. goddamn, you're an idiot if you don't take this guy. His lowest um, skill, aside from credit rating, um, is electrical repair 40. Everything else is from between like sixty-five and ninety. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, he is like Battle Alfred. Yep. What's his uh, What's his firearm skill? He doesn't have it. Oh, he doesn't he have it. He doesn't have fighting skills. He's not there to fight, but he can fix anything, fix you up, treat disease. Um, shit, man, he's like the ultimate know, support character. Yeah, I'm. I'm sure if you actually. Um, parsed out his stats as a player character it would be he's op oh yeah probably so, too many skill points and, and and honestly if one of your characters dies and your player needs a character they're probably going to be ending up playing clive the mancer right or he's they could play right or they could play the doctor right right dr huntington dare who's yeah. also uh, kind of a Kind of a uh, yeah, uh, Marty Stew. 
Mm-hmm. Right, First and he's got all the local. Percent. He's a medical doc. Oh, he's also a, he's a pathologist. And and he gives you like all the information you need uh, to know about the the death of the main character. You know he, you know there's no psychology roles needed. He's he's quite confident in the ability of the county coroner of that particular yes. area. Yes, honestly, these bites are like nothing I've ever seen. It's as if a mastiff has grown. But he does have a secret, and this is kind of uh, something that you don't really want a player character to have if they take this character, is that he has also formulated a theory, and he pretty much knows what's really going on. Right. And he just he's, keeps it in a private journal on his person. He's your Van Helsing. Yeah. He just won't tell you what's going on. But uh, this is a pretty straightforward scenario. I mean... It, Depending on how you do things. I like how this thing ends. Like the big confrontation at the end. Because mm. it is a set piece. You're ambushed in like this. It takes place in, in uh, West Virginia. Right. Or, or somewhere in the, yeah. in the Adiranda, Adirondack area. Now they do mention Hagerstown. Yeah. Yep. So southwestern Maryland. Yeah, it could be southwestern Maryland, north north uh west virginia mm-hmm. like pennsylvania around pittsburgh yeah i think uh i'm not sure exactly where everything was in the you know how the state line was oh it's probably the same in the 20s but uh they they get the weekly paper from cumberland right so you know they're in that area shout right. out to Mer- to western maryland that's right handle that's Panhandle, right hon. I, I I like Western Maryland. It's a lot of beautiful country out there. Oh, Western Maryland's great. Uh, you go hiking out by Camp David mm-hmm. over um, in Thermont. Now, I haven't been out quite that far, but uh, I've been up up and down a couple of little small sections of the Appalachian Trail. Yeah, go to Thermont um, by Camp David. There's a there's a state park. Uh, I forgot what it's called offhand. Uh, I'll I'll look it up and tell you. But yeah, it's beautiful. Uh, just got to watch out for timber rattlers. But you know, I've never seen one there. Right. Stay on the trail. Don't go yeah, off the beaten track. Waterfall, beautiful waterfalls. Mm-hmm. It's great country out there. And anyway, oh, yeah. that's where this takes place. Uh, and you don't have the server problems of uh, Fallout 76. Right. <laughs> Zing! Um, yeah, and, and like said, I'm enjoying Fallout 76, so oh, yeah, I have I don't have a copy, so I've been trying to play yet. I'm enjoying it, so excellent, excellent. All the haters, yeah, you hear that, Bethesda? You want us to talk good about your game? Send us a copy, or send him a copy. I have one, send, send me a copy. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, so the, the final site takes place in this uh, this river valley, like the river is cut into a gorge, but instead of um, like you would normally think it would be like a canyon, like out west, mm-hmm. um, where you could see the striations. It's lightly uh, forested. Right. So so you're basically on the side of this like scrub brush bank of a river, and you get ambushed by werewolves. Right. And, it and took... 
it's just great because like the the main werewolf's holding up the woman, come and get her. Yep. Just, like very classic, very like super trope heavy. Yeah. Like you it, would definitely you couldn't go wrong running this one in pulp. No, no. This is this is this scenario is almost tailor made for pulp. The way that that final set piece is done. Uh, and it would be a very exciting night of play. But uh, yeah, it brings me to our entire group, so we can't. <laughs> Sorry. Do what? I, we just ruined it for our entire group. Oh, so we can't. nah, nah. You can you can always you can always <laughs> tweak things. We've run a couple of things that that we've had players play before. That's true. Um. Yeah, and that's that's great. Now, as you said, you'd play it in pulp. I would definitely play this in pulp. Um. But it's also it's also written in such a way that you can slide it into an existing campaign. You need you need material for a night. Just bring in the rescue and and have it as a side quest. Yeah. Well, a lot of these, um, a lot of the hooks to get your players involved in in this in any of these scenarios are very similar it's a, a guy hiring you because he's heard of your reputation as monster hunters um like this guy heard of your reputation doesn't believe any of the the supernatural stuff but you know he knows that you get the job done on stuff like this right and actually it, the the way it's open the way the opening is set where you're in the library of congress doing research you know seems like you're already in a campaign setting you're you're in washington working on something else right and it's almost written as a sidetrack to a to a campaign yeah you, you gotta you gotta remember that um these things in call of cthulhu things don't start off in the tavern usually right like like in other games um you have to I and mean, you don't have to have a way to hook people in but it does help for immersion to to have people hook you know a way to hook people in like they all are members of a the same detective agency or you know they're you know the seventh edition basically has a chapter dedicated to different um investigator groups right um, and the pulp yeah has the same thing uh where you, so you belong to like an adventurers club and you know somebody comes in and you did you did it in um final flight yep the prometheus society you you had right you had um an investigators club i did it uh for for um mandela and iron you know mm -hmm. you're all detectives from the same agency um it's just easier and you don't have to like hook them in you're just like now this is the job you're getting right and and it's 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 very clever and it's it's funny because all they must have just been getting that as like realizing how do you get people to like go on these crazy adventures you, you have them as part of a of a established society mm -hmm. that, that you go to when right when shit goes wrong because all three of these start basically the exact same way right you know, there's a murder. It's it almost starts out at, at like every police procedural on television, right? But you're not cops, right? You're not cops. Although but I it, think think cop is one of the occupations. 
Yeah, it, you can't be a police officer, but mm -hmm. you're not all police officers, you know. Right. This is why um, that question, according to their their press, their own press, uh, this is why Delta Green became Delta Green, uh, was for a way to have uh, player characters enter games, sorry, um, with a plausible excuse. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, oh, well, they're also, um, you know, a Delta Green agent. Right. So they can just slide right in without having to deal with, um, you know, shoehorning them into a story. And it's, it's clever, you know. Mm -hmm. But whether your organization is a shadowy government um, bureaucracy or just a bunch of amateurs who get together and solve mysteries on the weekend in their van... Right. Um, it is it is a, a great way to get Call of Cthulhu Adventures started. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Which brings us to the final uh, adventure that we're going to discuss today. The Secret of Castro Negro by Mark Pettigrew and Sandy Peterson. Yes. This one is long. Yeah, this, this one's pretty long. This and, was really long and, and it is a huge sandbox. Oh yeah, this is probably the most sandboxy of all of the adventures in this in this book. Yeah, um, and it takes place in New Mexico, so mm -hmm. you have this this automatic kind of uh, you know atmosphere going on because you know it's the old you know the West of the 1920s. So it's just like, I mean, the West today is kind of sparse, but 1920s it's even more so. Right, and it's Southwest 1920. Not just the West, right? Uh, yeah. So uh, another. This one has not one, not two, but three disappearances, right? <laughs> that kick off the action, and uh, and some other mysterious shit going on at the same time. Yeah, cattle mutilation. Mm -hmm. Um, it's I would hazard to guess, and I'm probably wrong. Um, but 1984 was when this was published. So it's probably around the same time when we were first hearing stories about Chupacabra. Mm -hmm. Well, it's also New Mexico and not too far, probably not too far away from Roswell. So, you know, you have cattle mutilations. People are automatically going to think aliens. Or Chupacabra. Or Chupacabra. Chupacabra. But, uh, yeah, I mean, one of the things in the keeper information is that uh, it's recommended to keep it kind of slow and allow the investigators to just kind of absorb all the clues in the area. Yeah, it's it's definitely set up so clues are sparse. Mm -hmm. And you're going to um, – it's almost like a, a Lehman thing, a Lehman campaign where you spend um, some time – poking around and prodding around in a, in a you know in an area to get one nugget of information mm -hmm. um and they very clever and you don't i'm actually surprised by this because it's sandy peterson that some of the clues are doubled mm -hmm. um so there's less of a chance to miss a clue right that's going to help you out later on. Um, Shadow, I, I'm thinking just because Shadows of Yoke Sothoth 
which was Sandy's big campaign that mm -hmm. like helped launch the brand. Um, there's like a bunch of things that if you miss the clue, you're fucked. Right. And this almost takes um, pains to double clues. Right. Multiple um, sources of the same information. Right. Like those, um, like those little statuettes, mm -hmm. uh, the, the, um, the footprints with the cross, mm -hmm. you know, there's like a, a number of things that like that are there to help you out. Yep. Now, um, there's one, there's an encounter with the thing. That's all they call it. <coughs> <coughs> <clears throat> um, can only be struck by enchanted weapons. Yeah, that's a common thing in Call of Cthulhu. Right. Now, you know, was there a point, I guess, because, you know, the all the systems you had to look through different books and stuff, was there a point in common gameplay in Call of Cthulhu where the enchanted weapon might be a little more commonplace? I don't think so. Or is it just a setup for a meat grinder? I think it's a setup for a meat grinder. <laughs> um, yeah, there, there's not a lot of enchanted weapons. Mm -hmm. and, I mean, I got to think, like, you might have, like, um, if you played Shadows of the Oak Sothoth and managed to get, the, I think it was a cane from... Uh, from uh what's his name the wizard the sp wizard that is um waitley no it's not waitley it's um stafford's sp ah. um, anyway i think there might be a, like one or two things lying around in there but it's not like you know plus one sword D D. &D. right right where you know everyone has one right like the the mace of saint such and such right it just there's not a lot of that and there's none of none of that in this particular scenario right yeah there's nowhere to find anything like that yeah so it's it's totally it's meat grinder um, but that is one of the things that makes call of cthulhu deadly mm-hmm um, is that you have monsters that have uh, huge amounts of armor. Uh, piercing weapons only do one point of damage or do the minimum of, of amount of damage every time. Mm -hmm. Can only be hit by um, enchanted weapons. Shit, Leogors, if they're not in their corporeal form, you can't touch them. So they can touch you. You can't touch uh, colors out of space. But it can touch you. Yeah, so it's definitely part of the the over. Right. Oh, Doesn't matter that. about that ninety automatic weapon skill you got there, pal. Yeah. You can pump as many magazines into this thing as you want, and it's not going to do anything. Yeah, there's a couple of uh, cool things in here. You have um, you have a Call of Cthulhu style wizard. Mm hmm. Um, who knows all these spells that are completely useless in combat, except for like one or two of them. <laughs> right. I mean, you could, I guess Call Cthulhu is 
pretty useful as a wizard in your day-to-day life as a wizard. Right. But when, you know, when you come into contact with it, with players or characters, player characters, uh, that's not going to help you out when they're shooting guns at you. True. A good, uh, a good sherving spell. Now that's what you need. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's going to take a little more, a few more than uh, six seconds. Yes. So you have, you have a wizard, you have his familiar, Mm-hmm. Uh, which is pretty cool. Uh, the thing I really like about this scenario um, is the possibility that even if you win the scenario, if you as a player are greedy, you can basically doom yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I One of the things that I thought was really interesting is because particular because they wanted this particular scenario to run for a while and investigators to take their time uh castro negro would be a great location for a campaign um because you know it it, there's a lot of detail here um on the residents and the things going on and stuff like that that uh, a certain keeper we know could probably make some really david lynch twin peaks shit go on Oh. Um, <laughs> Which keeper would that be? Well, while you're investigating these disappearances, though, and you're taking your time, your group of investigators could go off on other uh, jobs while this while this scenario is going on, and you come back to it later. So it becomes kind of like, um, you know, a main plot arc in a in a short campaign. Right. That that you do these like little episodic things on the side. And it's 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 fully fleshed out in the book. There's maps of the town. There's uh you know ways to get the player characters uh ensconced as at least semi permanent residents of the town. Yeah, there's a lot of detail. My only issue with that would be um you are once you arrive in Consul Negro, um, you are kind of persona non grata. Uh, the people in the town who would welcome you are too afraid to do anything about it. And then anybody else in the town who is part of the, the power structure uh, will will shun you at first and then eventually actively try and get rid of you. Right. So, I mean, yeah, but you would have... It'd be delicate. You'd have to like balance um, attacks from thugs, and because right. uh, you're definitely not welcome in town. Right. You're not. You're not really welcome in town, but you can you can spin it a little bit and and make it a little bit more welcoming, you know, just to give the players that false sense of security. Right. And and that that helps with the immersion right there. Is you know when a when when player characters feel safe, that's the time to hit them. Right. Well, uh, pardon me. I think what uh, I think one thing that you can do is use the uh, cattle, the the cattle dying, um, as as 
as a uh, red herring to do other things. Mm-hmm. So if you were to start looking at that, because it it does tie in with what's going on, but it doesn't have, I mean, it has to, but you as the players don't need to know that it has to. Right. So you could work it so that while they're investigating the disappearances, um, they find out, oh, there's also these cattle mutilations. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have somebody, uh, you can ha- always have a player, probably played by Lily, who is going to want to go and investigate that because it's weird and it's alien. And, you know, she mm-hmm. always creates characters who enjoy the weird and the alien. Right. Or are impulsive enough to go out and 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 look into this, yeah. Yeah. Uh, With a little tweaking, uh, the rescue uh, slides right in as a red herring because you you're in town looking at three disappearances. You get word of yet another disappearance. Is it connected? Possibly. Yeah, And, and and you red herring it, and you kill off some investigators with werewolves. Yeah, well, it's very easy to uh, to switch the the uh, setting for the rescue to make it into the Southwest. Um, you know, you, there's plenty of, of, like I said before, canyons, gulches. Arroyo. Uh, with, yeah, Rio's with a perfect, you know, um, with a perfect setup for that final scene. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, you can definitely do that. Now, you could actually, now that I'm thinking about it, because, you know, you mentioned the ambush in the in the canyons and whatnot, you could run both of those, at, both of the, these, the rescue and the secret of uh, Castro Negro, you could run as down darker trails. Or you just run it in Wisconsin and have it all happen in the Dells. Yeah. <laughs> it all ends up at Tommy Bartlett's robot show. But that's that's next year's big expansion for call <laughs> down darker dales. Down darker dells. Down darker dells. Horror game, horror gaming in the world of H.P. Lovecraft's Wisconsin. Well, that would be August Durlitz, Wisconsin. <laughs> August Durlitz, Wisconsin. And there you go. And that's it. That's uh, four scenarios in, in the classic Call of Cthulhu, Cthulhu Companion. Okay. So here's the big question. Let's We've broken this book into two parts. Yep. The supplemental material and the scenarios. Um, mixed reaction, mixed feelings about the supplemental materials. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, the, the, the scenarios... I like them all. I think mm-hmm. they're all um, doable, runnable, and they're not dated. Nope. Uh, they age well as scenarios. So mm-hmm. They're not like, oh, it's the 80s. They don't like reek of the 80s. Right. You know what I'm saying? Um, is this worth um, going, if you see it on eBay, is it worth getting, do you think? Um, unless those scenarios are reprinted elsewhere, uh, the the price you're paying for it is worth it for the scenarios alone. Right. Depends on how much you're paying for it, obviously. Right. I don't know yeah. what it's going for on eBay. And if it's going for more than $100, I might get rid of mine. But 
Right. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, Paper Chase is going to be reprinted uh, in the beginner box. So, you I mean, that's one of them right there. Right. Um, although well, it honestly, would be it would be nice to see some updated uh, versions of some of these old scenarios yeah, uh, honestly, coming through. Um, Paper Chase is probably the least of the four. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not saying it's not like my least favorite, but it's at least runnable of the four. Just because it is designed for just one one on one, right? Uh, the other the... ones, the other ones are. I think you know you, you can play with larger groups. Um, you can have multiple sessions with them, um, and you know the stories. The stories are definitely more in, intrigue and action on those as opposed to just the intrigue. Right, right, and even as they're written in a 1983 copy. Uh, there is not much updating that needs to be done to bring it in line with if if you're just starting to pick up the game and you're playing in seventh edition. No, uh, uh, seventh the way they designed seventh edition um, is not too terribly radical from uh, radically away from the way the rest of the editions were designed. Right. Um, you know, you don't even really need to bother. Note taking notes for transcribing things. It's, right. It's so not like D and D, where the different editions are completely different games. Right. And, and you actually need to do work to to update to, and convert. To, yeah. And and really, that's just monster blocks. That's just like updating the the monsters for the current edition. But like the monsters haven't changed. The 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 monsters. In first edition, are the exact same monsters that end up in seventh edition, just with their stats multiplied by five. Well, if you can't multiply by five on the fly, then I'm sorry. Right, right. Well, hell, there's a fucking chart in seventh edition that does it for you. Yeah, and and there's calculators. Mm. <laughs> by five so, is the easiest. So. Right, and and skills are skills. They trans translate directly. I mean, yeah. the only some of them are different now. You don't have oratory anymore. Right. You have half talk um, charm. Yeah, persuade. but I mean, you know, you just have somebody role play, and then you determine what skill goes along with what they're trying to say. Mm -hmm. Lying, it's fast talk. Are they trying to charm them? It's charm. You know, are they trying to make a, a valid argument? It's persuade. You know, it's, uh... Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. So, it's, yeah. It's, it's I would say, right. I would definitely yeah. say this is worth worth the money you pay for it, depending on how much money it is. Yeah, I, mean, it, I don't think it it's is. like a rare collector's item or anything like that. If it is, I'd be really surprised. Okay, so um, I've got a lot of three books pre-owned. Um, looks like the third edition, the twenty source book, and the Cthulhu Companion for thirty bucks. There you go. So yeah, uh, it's. Alone thirty four seventy five alone nineteen ninety five no bids so yeah it's definitely par for the course for these old books it's mm -hmm. not it's not like a super rare thing right right yeah it's not like super rare um, because this is a niche hobby well and... I mean there are, are things like uh, Beyond the Mountains of Madness if you ever try and price that it's, it's mm -hmm. prohibitively expensive right. Um, but Horror on the Orient Express. Yeah, well, Horror on the Orient Express is expensive, no matter how you slice it. Yeah. Big. 
but I'm just saying that this, you know, it's 30, 40 bucks. So it, it's worth getting if you're interested in running these scenarios. Right. But if you're just looking for scenarios to run and you, you've got 30, 40 bucks to spend, uh, either hit the Miskatonic repository or, you know, purchase one of the other newer books. Yeah, because the, the, the first half of this book is giving you no new information that isn't available now and just opening up your your, your rule book. Mm -hmm. So don't don't worry about that. But if you if you want to have these scenarios, have access to them, and yeah, go go ahead. Go go grab a copy of it. All right, so that wraps it up for the Cthulhu Companion. Uh, we'll see you guys next time, and keep 30 luck points. Yeah, keep 30.